This is a part three of a series, One in Othering, and I use this boat as an illustration because basically I said, we're not in this alone. We're not on this journey. We're not meant to be and do life alone. We're meant to do life with other people, and um, we're meant to be at one with God. That's our number one, the way we're made. We're made in God's image, it says in the Bible. We're here to be at peace with God, to be made right with God. But because we've made a mess in the world, we're not right with God. Because of guilt and shame and everything that comes with it, we're not right with God. So that's why God sent Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace. He was the righteousness, the Holy One sent by God, who did not do anything wrong but lived a pure life. Yet he was put on a cross for our sin. So when we believe in Jesus and accept Jesus in our lives, our sin is taken away and we receive God's righteousness and holiness into our hearts and we're made right with God. So the first thing we need to do is to believe in God in order to get in the boat. Okay? So when we do that, we're made one with God. We're made right with God. We don't make ourselves right with God by doing good, although God calls us to do good. We're made right with God by recognizing we need Jesus. We need God. We're not God. And we've all made a mess and we've all fallen short of God's glory. Okay? That doesn't mean there's not good people that are trying and doing good in the world. And we need that. But made right with God is only done by faith in Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. So I said, you know, believing in Jesus gets us in the boat. But then I said, Jesus then puts us on the outside of the boat, not in the middle. We all like to be in the center. We all like our lives to be in control. But actually, God balances us out in life by causing other people to be in our world that we could love. Without other people, we can't outwork what God asks us to do, which is love God and love people. So if we're not around people, we can't love people. It's not an isolated project. God has designed it with people in the world that we are to love him and love one another. So then I said that's what we're here to do is one anothering. We're here to learn out of one another on this boat called life. And it's like a journey. And along this journey, we get better at it. And God causes us to grow emotionally. okay? And he causes us to grow morally as well, to be effective, to do good things works. And I believe, I just want to say this, I believe there's good work in each one of us that God has put inside of us. It's like a call to do good in this world. And week two, I said that each of us have got a specific ore that God wants us to use in order to bring good works into this world. And we have to go on a journey of discovering what our thing is, who we are, what we're good at. We can't force that. We have to just learn what our passion is, what our desire is, what we're good at, and we discover that on the journey. This week, I want to speak about keeping going on this journey, endeavoring on this journey, because one anothering isn't always easy. People, I'm not easy. Okay? I annoy people jumping around and clapping and making too much noise. Or, I've moved seats today. Woof. Check that out. Church world, somebody sitting in my seat. How do we cope with that? You know, one anothering, especially in church, can be interesting. Can't we? Because we're control freaks and we want it our way and it's about me. But actually, God's called us to one another. And love isn't self-seeking. Love considers others above themselves. That's what Christ did. He was not self-seeking when he sought to bring and into this world and to save you, he was not self-seeking. Love is not self-seeking. He was seeking you. He was not seeking himself. If he, wasn't, if he was seeking himself, he wouldn't have put himself on the cross. But he denied himself so that he could love you. 
So I want to talk today about this journey and keeping going and encouraging you to love one another because it's not always easy, is it? Or is it just me who's difficult? We've all got our ways, haven't we? Beans on toast, or is it beans on the side? We fell out over that when we first got married. You don't put the beans on the toast. I didn't know. I didn't know. Who, who told, where is it in Scripture? I'm trying to find where it says in the Bible, beans on the toast or toast, beans at the side of the toast. There's so many things we fall out about. Doing the garden. I didn't know I was supposed to do the garden. Just because your dad did the garden doesn't mean I do the garden. So I have artificial grass now. I was hoovering it yesterday. I was hoovering the artificial grass. You get that one? That's a brownie point, isn't it? I got leaves and bits on me grass. I'm there hoovering it in the back garden. Kids are looking at me. Daddy, what are you doing? I'm getting me bits up off the garden. Somebody said to me this morning, what's the point in having artificial grass then? I had artificial grass. I didn't have to mow it. Now I've got hoover it. Sim, I thought I've got myself pulled into this one. But listen, we've all got our ways and it gets difficult, doesn't it? But I want to speak this morning about keeping going on the one another in because it's worth it. Okay, it's worth it because God won another for us. And he took the pain and he took the cross. So I think it's good that we take some things to him and model to the world who he is. So I'm going to read this scripture to you. I might add a little bit in. Don't tell me off. 2 Timothy 4 verse 7 says this. This is Paul writing to Timothy towards the end of his life. And he's been through some stuff. He's done some one anothering. He's been on some rapids, right? Up and down and been through things. And he says this. I, this is Paul, have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I am at the end of this one anothering business. I have kept the faith. As Paul says, it's not easy. He's writing to Timothy to encourage him in a church where he's a bit younger than Paul and he wants to encourage him. So it's really, it's to church leadership and elders, but I think we can all get something from this because we've all got personal fights going on. We've all got battles internally, externally, work, kids, relationships. We've all got some contention somewhere. We're all fighting a battle, aren't we? Or is it just me? I'm battling with myself most of the time. Insecurities, inadequacies. Am I good enough? Where's all that coming from? Oh, nobody recognizes me. No one loves me. Why don't I get... All of that comes up in us. Or is it just me? And we have this fight that's contending that we're contending. And Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have canoed down the Amazon and I am at the end. I have walked the Nile. Leveson Wood. Does anybody like Leveson Wood? If you've not seen Leveson Wood, he's from Stoke. He's, he's walked the Nile, right? Paul has walked the Nile. He's canoed the Nile. He's got to the end. And he says, I'm going to teach you in a minute what he does to get to the end. But you know, there are many fights that we can fight that are not good for us. You might be contending one right now. You might be fighting against something that actually isn't good. You say, well, what, how, where? We fight for points and prizes. Is anybody else like that? I'm competitive. I played my girls at Monopoly this week, and I won. <laughs> I won. I won. Because I like to win. I'm competitive. 
But is it about winning? Is it about the points? Is it about the trophy? I need to be seen. I need to be on the stage. I need to be seen. And there's that battle that we have sometimes in the one another. Nobody recognizes me. I should be recognized. My gift should be recognized. And we have this battle that's going on. And if we're not careful, we can push each other out the way and damage each other. They're fights you don't need to fight. Or there's the one of the flesh, as the Bible teaches us. And usually with the flesh, you know what the fruit of the flesh is because you tend to take offense. Or is that just me? You take offense straight away because you didn't quite understand and you reacted out of your own frustration and anger because nobody's listening or you wanted it your way and it hasn't gone your way. So you take offense because somebody sits in your seat. We don't have that problem in this church, do we? I'm thankful that people, we were talking to someone this morning, they felt welcome when they first came in. And, you know, we're, we're, we're almost embracing people to feel at home. We don't want to be fighting with our positions and our power struggles. and our, It's about us. No, 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 no. It's not about us. It's about God. And God is love. So we're going to be graceful and loving to people. If somebody sits in your seat, find another seat. There's a plenty. There's 400 seats in the room and we're filling up. There's still at the back, still stacked. Or we'll find some mats for you to sit on. Not prayer mats, just, just mats, okay? We'll find somewhere or we'll do a double service if we've got problems. That's not a problem. But find another seat. It's not your seat. It's God's seat. It's God's chair. He made it. He made it in the earth and we got it out of the earth. And we put, We're fighting fights that don't need to fight. We don't need to fight them fights. I'll make your chair. Sorry, Alistair will make your chair. He comes and volunteers on a Monday. Alistair's just volunteered to make it with Mike on a Monday. But we can fight the wrong fight. You know, I talk to people in relationships, talk to people in marriage, and it's like they're contending their corner. Oh, they don't do this and they don't do that. I did it for about three years with Sarah when we got married, trying to conform it to my image. So that it would make life easier. I needed her to fit in this box. So if she does that, then it will make my life more balanced and easier. And I realized it wasn't working. And all I was doing was contending and contending and contending. Instead of finding what she brought to the house and being thankful for the good that she brings and encouraging that to flourish. We fight the wrong fight. How do we know we're fighting the wrong fight? Let's read eight, Romans 8 verse 31. It says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So if we're fighting against things all the time, then we're always contending with people and issues and problems. But if we fight for things, not against things, life becomes easier. Am I making sense? But if we are still wrestling with God and think that God's against us, then we're going to be against other things as well because we're never content in ourselves. God is for you. You need to know that God is for you. When you're not even for yourself, God is for you. When people aren't for you and against you, God is for you. How do you know that? He died on a cross for you. He sent his one and only son because he was for you. To pay for your, your sin, your inadequacy, your, your unbelief, your doubt. He came and appeared through his son, Jesus Christ. God is for you. He's not against you. 
And if you're still battling with that, then you need to come to God and seek God and ask God and read what it says in the scripture. Paul writes it, God is not against you. He's for you. He might be against some things that you do that are not healthy for you in relating to people, but he's still for you. He is loving, kind, patient, slow to become angry, not like us. He's very slow to become angry. He is for you. He might point some things out in Scripture that are not healthy for you, but he's still for you. He's not against you. He's for you. In your marriage, are you contending with your partner? Are you fighting fights that you don't need to fight anymore? Instead of fighting against things, start to fight for things. Start to fight and breathe life into it and encouragement into it. Because that's going to help rather than being against things all the time. Are you still with me? Some fights we don't need to fight. We don't need to fight for the seat. And we know that in church. But we need to fight for things. So there's a fight, a wrong fight that we can get into. Our own ego, greed, pain. We can speak out of pain and react out of that rather than out of forgiveness and love. So we can fight the wrong fight. I'm going to read Am I still on? I'm in and out. 2 Corinthians 6, verses 3 to 10. And this is Paul who's fought the good fight and he's been through some rapids, okay? And along his journey, there's been some roadblocks that could have stopped Paul fighting and carrying on in the faith, fighting the good fights. And he comes across some things and he says this to encourage people. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. You see, this journey is not just about me and my family. It's about others on this journey. And I have a responsibility not to put roadblocks in the path, not to build walls, take offense easily, fight back, react in anger. I have a responsibility now. As the church, as a representation of God, as a leader, I have a responsibility not to put roadblocks in the way and build walls towards people. Are you still my friend? You have a responsibility in your home. You have a responsibility in the world not to build walls with people, but to love people and show them good work. That's why them at Abbey Alton, they want to do good and out these They could easily take offense when they come in. Well, why aren't you doing that? But they don't. They want to love them and build with them. We have a responsibility not to put roadblocks. It says, rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses. Paul went through some stuff. You think you're having a bad day, read what Paul went through. You know, instead of putting it on Facebook, you've got a cold, right? Read what Paul went through. Okay? I'm having a bad day. I've got a cold. No, you're not having a bad day. You've got a cold. Is it just me? If you're that bad, you wouldn't have the chance to put it on Facebook because you'd be on your bed. So you're obviously well enough to write on Facebook. You're not that ill. You're not that ill. You've got the strength in your fingers to type. You've got breath in your lungs. You're not dying. You're melancholic and feeling sorry for yourself. Get up, grow up, and fight the good fight. You're actually putting roadblocks on Facebook that isn't helpful for people. Amen? You don't need to put roadblocks. You need to breathe life, new life. 
It says this, rather than servants of God in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, distress, in beatings, imprisonments, in riots, in hard work, sleepless nights. That's not including having kids. Sleepless nights, hunger. This is a bad day Paul's having on this journey. And there's some rocks that he's trying to avoid in the rapids of life and get past them so it doesn't discredit his ministry and what he believes in his heart. Paul had a choice. He could have discredited Christ and denied Christ, but he didn't. He found a way to maneuver through the hardships and to get through and to model Christ to others in that community. We all have a wrong fight. Paul could have, Paul could have hit back. He could have, you know, he could have got people and rallied people to react and to kill people, but he didn't. He knew how to do that. He'd done that before, before he met with Christ. He knew how to put roadblocks and to kill people. He knew how to do that. Paul, Paul could fight. He could rally people like that. But he didn't. He did it a different way. And Christ appeared to him on the road. Christ became the roadblock for Paul on that day. Right? He says, you're putting roadblocks in my ministry. You're, you're hurting the body of Christ. You're discrediting my name. And he, Christ himself turned up to Paul on the road from Damascus. Why? Because Paul was putting roadblocks in the way. The Messiah himself, Jesus, turned up personally to him. You're putting roadblocks in the way. He didn't say that. Right? So Paul, right? I'm not putting any roadblocks anymore. I'm going to do what I need to do. So then, if we know the wrong fight that we shouldn't be fighting, we've got to get on board with the right fight. Amen? We've got a right fight to fight. It's a good fight. Some of your marriages, they're worth fighting for. Some of your relationships, they're worth fighting for. Your kids, they're worth fighting for. Your job sometimes, it's worth fighting for. Injustice, come on. There's some things, justice, that needs to be fought for. It's worth fighting for. Can you see what I'm saying? We're not against things. We're for things. We can go, the church has gone on about abortion for many years, right? And I don't want to get into that argument it's not that simple. It's complex. But here's the deal. We should be pro-life. We should be for marriage, not against divorce. Come on. We've got some good marriages in here. You need to celebrate one another, not be against one another. You've got enough battles going on in the world that you're facing. You don't need to battle with one another. You need to get together and say, come on, we're together. We're fighting a good fight. We're modeling what it is to have a good marriage. We've got to be pro-life, pro-marriage. It's a good fight. The church has kept quiet too long. We need to be for things. We need to be for one another. Encourage one another. Who have you encouraged this morning? The person next to you. How are you encouraging them? How are you serving them? This is where it gets real. Who are you serving? This is the good fight. It doesn't just happen, but I say, we have to say, right, I'm on with the good fight. I'm on board. I'm in the boat. What do you want me to do? There's a good fight that's worth fighting for. Jesus fought the good fight to the end. He denied himself. I'm on board with Jesus. I want to fight the good fight. I've got a problem with debt, and I'm, no, no, no. Right, let's fight the good fight then. Let's put some things in place that helps you get out of debt so you can find some freedom. I'm struggling with inadequacy. Right, find someone who can help you and teach you, read the word and pray for you to get you out of that so you can renew your mind and become free in the name of Jesus. Amen? These are the fights you need. It's worth fighting for. Because your kids can be worth fighting for. If you're not a parent and you're a student, you've got a career coming which is worth fighting for. It isn't just going to happen. 
You've got to fight for it. You've got to work hard. You've got to persevere. You've got to be committed. You've got to go again when you get knockbacks and you say, oh, that's not for you. No, come on, get back up. Find something else. That one wasn't for you. Right, get back up. Shake it off. Let's go for this one then. Amen? You're going to have challenges and battles and things going on, but you've got to fight that good fight. And drink. There's a good fight worth fighting for. Let's look at how Paul fights this good fight. And just go back to that scripture. Two. That's it there. Brilliant. Okay, so it says, all of that stuff going on, right? All of them problems which really compared to our stuff, our stuff's nothing, is it? It might be though. It's still something. It's still a battle. It's still a challenge for you. It says this. Sleepless nights and hunger. And then he says this. This is the key to getting Paul through. This is the key for any of us stop contending and fighting is this, impurity. You know what, what, what do you mean impurity? Pure heart, pure motive, love. If it's not in love, if it's not in a pure motive and it's in greed or selfishness, you're going to end up contending with things and fighting. But if it's actually in love to help someone and to build someone, Paul's realized this is the, this is the way I'm living. I'm going to do impurity. Impurity. How's your heart this morning? Do you know Jesus? Do you know that Jesus has purified you through his precious blood? Or are you still trying to think, am I, am I forgiven or not forgiven? Impurity. Because if we don't do it in purity, we'll do it for our own selfish ends. How's your heart this morning? Is it made right with God? Are you holy in God this morning? And then you have a choice how to react. You react in purity. Not underhand or manipulating, trying to get your way so you get, no, 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 purity. I'm here to serve. How can I help? Not with an hidden agenda. I'll serve so that I get something back from it. No, 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 no. Purity. Come on, just give yourself freely. It's, it, 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 you end up contending with so many things because you don't get what you want. And it, purity. Are you hearing this? It needs a pure heart. So when you do things, do it out of a pure heart. God, it's not about me getting rewarded. It's about your kingdom being built. It's about your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we've been praying as a church this year. So it takes a pure heart in order to God's kingdom to come in and through you. So purity, and then he says this. This is how we'll help to get along on this journey. You ready? Understanding. How many misunderstandings do we have in relationships? Come on. We don't enter into actually finding out what that, why they said that. I had a, something this week with one of my girls. I can say it because they're not in here. But we had a little bit of a confrontation, as you do with children. She's getting older, okay? And uh, she said something and really seemed to overreact. And I was like, Pfft. And sometimes then I react over that. That's not on. And you kind of react like. And I thought, in a minute, this isn't helping. Let me just go and see why she's reacted that way. I know it was wrong, but can I understand why she reacted that way? So I don't just want to help. I don't want her to be. It upsets me when we fall out. Because my heart doesn't want that. So I go and speak and I ask. And then she said, Dad, it was because of this. And I didn't want that because of that. 
Right, I get that now, I understand. And it was a silly little thing that we were falling out over. But because I was listening to it and went to it, and usually I don't, I'm not very good at this, but because I went and I got understanding why she was the way she was, I could say, okay, I get that now, now I understand you. You see, purity and gain understanding next. We're very quick to react and fall out, and actually it's not helpful if one another in. So how does he then do that? How does he get this understanding? Something we really don't like, patience. Woo, patience. Why, it takes patience and it takes kindness on the one another in. It's not a quick fix. It's not about us coming together and making lots of noise and shouting. It's actually about us developing intimate relationships where we gain understanding on this journey and we have patience for one another and we show kindness to each other. Paul's got beaten Paul in prison, he's had sleepless nights, you know, he's, he's, on, he's almost on the run, he's seen riots, and what does he say? Keep a pure heart, understanding, patience, and kindness. Kindness. Why do we contend with one another? Let's have some understanding, let's have some patience, let's gain understanding, and let's then be kind to one another. Well, it makes sense now why you reacted like that. I'm sorry I sat in your chair in church. I didn't realize it was your chair. And then that person, actually, it's not my chair. I'm sorry. I'm just having a bad day. And you don't know what's going on in someone's room. Now it makes sense. I'm sorry. That's okay. And they never sit on that chair ever again in church. <laughs> don't sit out near the chair. It must be cursed. And, you know? Why? We have to be patient. It's not easy being patient. I want it now and I want it sorted and I want my way and all of this gets all mixed up. But God says, come on, patience, kindness. I want to grow you on this journey to be like me. And I was patient and kind over centuries. And I didn't, lo- I didn't give up on you. I waited for you. And at the right time, I came and gave my life for you. With patience and kindness, he gave his life. And then it says this, in the Holy Spirit. Wow. How are we patient and kind? Not in my strength, but in the Holy Spirit. I, 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 I'm, I can try and be kind in my own strength, but when the Holy Spirit, God in me, gives me patience and kindness, I grow in a way and do things that I couldn't do in my own strength. You would never have given me two kids and a wife 15 years ago. You'd never have thought it. But because of God and God doing something in my heart, he's helped me to gain some understanding. I've been rubbish at it at times, I've got to admit. I, I, I try and, and Sarah's much better at patience and kindness than me. But I learn from it. But we need patience, kindness. But we can have something in the Holy Spirit that helps us to overcome things that we couldn't, un- we couldn't understand or we couldn't overcome on, on our own, in our own strength. How does Paul overcome beatings? How does he overcome riots? How does he overcome, you know, poverty and having nothing? Yet he says, purity, understanding. Let's understand where these people are coming from. They're they're blind. They don't understand. I'm going to be patient with them. I'm going to be kind with them. But it's not in me that I do this, but it's in God's spirit that is in me, he says. In the Holy Spirit that empowers you for life, empowers you to overcome, empowers you to break through, empowers you for your marriage to become all things new. It empowers you to break through addiction. It empowers you. It's not our power. And then he says this, and in sincere love, 
in truthful speech, and in the power of God. You see, there's a power in God, in God's spirit, that he can give you to overcome things you couldn't overcome in your own strength. That's what Paul used. And if we're going to one another, we need the Holy Spirit. We need to have an expectancy that God gives us a power to overcome. A power for you to one another on this journey. So that you can stick with one another. You can stick in your marriage. You can stick in the church. You can make a difference in the world. So there's a good fight that's worth fighting for. Are you still with me? There are wrong fights we can have, but there are good fights we can have. And then Paul says this, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left. So there are weapons that God gives us. One in the left and one in the right, Paul says. He's battling and contending with two things. To do what's right all the time. He's got this contention, this battle. It's like on this journey, he's getting knocked here, there, and everywhere, and being discouraged, and everything's coming at him. He says, but I've got weapons in my right and in my left hand. What is he contending with? He's contending with troubles. He's contending with hardships. He's contending with battles. Anybody else have problems in this world? Anybody got something or somebody who comes at you or says something or mistreats you or dishonors you in your workplace or somewhere and you think that shouldn't happen like that, but it does because that's the world we live in. There are a lot more going on around the world than probably in our world that we can look at. But Paul says this, do what's right. He says, this is all going on, but this is what I'm doing. I'm doing what's right. I'm battling in this hand with troubles and still doing what's right. They're mistreating me. They're abusing me. And he goes on to say this. Next bit. Through glory and dishonor. He's getting honored, then dishonored. And then he says this. Bad report. Church is having a bad day. Then he says this. Good report. Woohoo! Then he says this. Known, yet regard, sorry, regarded as imposters. Genuine, yet regarded as imposters. Known, yet regarded as unknown. Dying, and yet we live on. Dying, and yet we live on. And then he says, beaten, and yet not killed. And this is a guy who's been beaten and abused, been through some hardships, but he's still holding the righteousness in his hand and saying, I'm going to do what's right. And then he says this, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. How many of us are doing that when we're having a bad day? Or are we Facebooking it? Come on. Come on. Paul says, I'm sorrowful because things are happening in the church and things are happening to me. I'm sad and it hurts. However, I'm always rejoicing, he says. Why? Because he can do that in the Holy Spirit. He can do that in who he is in God, that he's forgiven, that he's loved. No matter if he's known or unknown, Paul says, I'm content in God. And that's the battle we have. We have the battle of the things that are going on, troubles that are coming at us, not going our way, people not honoring us, but dishonoring us. And it's kind of, well, I'm still going to do the right thing. Are you still going to do the right thing, one another in, even when it doesn't go your way? When somebody knocks you in the face with their paddle, and you think, wow, that hurt that did. Are you still going to hold up in your right hand righteousness? Come on, we need some men in this house. We need some women in this house. This, this church, this community needs some people who are going to say, I'm going to do the right thing. 
That's why when we ask for food, what happens? You say, it's not right that these people aren't getting food. Let's get our righteousness out. Or are we going to keep quiet and say, no, 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 that's for somebody else to deal with. Come on. Let's do the right thing. And then the other hand he's contending with is more an internal thing, but also it's to do with prosperity. Doing well. You know, I know myself, when you start to doing well, you can get a bit proud. You can think, I'm doing well now. I, I, I don't need God and I don't need, and you can easily forget. But Paul's got this battle because he's done well and been known, yet then he's been unknown. He's had a platform and had a stage and had a voice, yet it's been removed from him. He's in prison. You think, well, where am I, God? I'm supposed to be helping build the church and I'm locked up in prison. It doesn't quite make sense. You think you'd have a big church building and you'd have a platform and you'd have you know, TVs and it'd be on, on the, you think Paul would be everywhere. Yet he's in a prison in a dark place being beaten and you think, why? Yet his voice still communicates to us today through the scriptures that God used. He spoke to more people from prison than he probably would have done in the streets of Jerusalem. God used his message. Nothing can contain God. Nothing can hold God's voice down what he wants to say. You see, Paul had this other battle to contend with. And the battle was prosperity, doing well. When you do well, do we still recognize God and give God glory? When I'm not doing well, do I still recognize God and give him glory? Or am I not from one side to the other? Or am I doing what's right consistently and being faithful when I have little or whether I have much? Are you still with me this morning? And these are the battles that we have on this boat to one another. Paul kept a pure heart. He did what's right. And his voice still speaks to us today through his scriptures, through his word. Paul's saying, I fought this good fight. I know this battle. I know it's not easy. Life isn't easy. But if you keep a pure heart, you keep your heart right. If you gain understanding rather than reacting all the time. If you grow in patience and in kindness and do what's right through the Holy Spirit in you, working that power, guess what? You're going to get through. You're going to fight the good fight. You're going to finish the race. You're going to hold on to your faith even though you go through difficulties. It's not an easy journey. It's not an easy battle. Paul had it much worse than us, but it is a challenge and it is a battle. But this fight is worth fighting for. Your life, your marriage, your relationships, the church, come on, the church is worth fighting for. Are we going to have a pure heart? Are we going to gain understanding before we react and be kind to one another? Or are we just going to say, I've had enough? No, no, no. Get back on the boat. Get back on the fight. Rechannel that energy into a good fight. And some of you, you've probably got passion or energy that's being channeled somewhere else that needs to be rechanneled. You know, some of you, Christmas, Boxing Day, Christmas sales, you'll be channeling your energy for those sales. And some of the guys are going, hey, keep that credit card in my wallet. <laughs> no, you can have it. Be generous. You will, though. I remember my dad, 1972, FA, uh, League Cup final, Stoke City, the first time they've ever been to Wembley. He told me that he camped outside the old uh, Victoria ground so that he could guarantee he got a ticket 
slept in his tent outside with his best mate, Peter, and they slept the night. They had a little fire there, and they slept. For tw- they were outside for 24 hours, so he made sure he got his Stoke City final ticket. People all channel their passion when they want something. When you want them Christmas Boxing Day sales, you'll, people queue up at the door, don't they? They're there, not waiting. And then the doors open, they get their oar out, and they're like, ah, get out of the way. Have you ever seen them? You're on, they, they're okay on Facebook. You've seen them on Facebook, pushing each other out of the way just to get a 1975 reconditioned whatever. And it's like, what are you fighting over? But they've got a passion for that, haven't they? Let's channel our passions into the right fights. Let's channel our passions into doing what's good. It's a good fight. There are good works to be done. That's why we're collecting food. And I'm amazed at people's response because they know it's a good thing to do. You've got good work inside of you to do. Get on with the good work. Find out what it is. Do good to people. Encourage one another. It's a fight worth fighting for. The church is worth fighting for because it has a voice in the community. It's the hope of the world. There's no other hope in the world apart from Jesus. There's no other saviour. No other God has appeared in this world apart from one. Do you know that? All other religions, their gods have not appeared. But our God has appeared. And he sent his one and only son to appear. God's come himself. And he sent a message out to the world. Say, I'm the saviour of the world. I'm the Messiah. He's the chosen one, Jesus. Believe in him and you will be saved. Believe in him and you will go to heaven. Believe in him, you will have your sins forgiven and be made right with God. He's the only God who's appeared in this world. And he's using you to demonstrate good works and to tell of this good news. He's not going to use anybody else. This is a fight that's worth fighting for. This has eternal consequences. This is not just a fight that you have on the streets. This is an eternal consequence. It's why Paul says, don't put roadblocks in the way. Move your selfishness. Move your flesh out of the way so that you can love people with my love as I have loved you. It's not a self-seeking love. It's a love that is unconditional, and it loves even people who abuse him. He loved people who put him on the cross. They nailed his hands. They nailed his feet. They spat on him. They pinched his clothes, and you know they, they just abused him. They dishonored him. But you know what? He kept going the good fight. He surrendered his life so that you could receive his goodness. And we're here, church, to demonstrate the best of our ability through the power of the Holy Spirit, the good news. You're here to demonstrate, put no roadblocks. Stop roadblocking on Facebook about how, how life is bad. I know life is bad. Everybody knows that. Start to speak about the hope of the world, that there's a hope in this world. Start to breathe life so that people say, hey, how come you were mistreated, but you behaved in that way? People are watching. It's not about you anymore. It's about people who are watching. Why do you do that? Because you have a hope. There's a hope in you. Christ in you. And if you don't know Jesus, you don't know the forgiveness of God, I would recommend it with all of my life and all of my money. I would give everything for what I have. Because Paul says on here, read that last bit. Sorry. He says this. Always rejoicing, poor yeah, making many rich, because he's making them rich in knowing the love of God and the forgiveness of God. Yet, he says here, having nothing. Paul has nothing. 
I don't have anything. I'm in a prison. I've been abused. I'm not known anymore. I, I don't have the trophies and the prizes and the points. I am nothing in this world, Paul says. Yet he says, I possess everything. I have everything. What is that everything? It's Jesus. Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is the one who all things were made through. When God spoke, he spoke through the word that is Jesus. All things were made through him. He's the name above all names. He died on the cross for you. He gave his precious blood for you. It was hard. It was painful. But he kept going for the end because he was fighting the good fight for you. And it's our time now to fight the good fight. To rise up as a church and say, do you know what? I'm on with the good fight. I'm on this fight. And I'm going to put my self things to the side. And I'm going to get on board with fighting the good fight. There's good inside of each one of us. There's good works in each one of us. Whether you're a teacher, a doctor, a musician, a creative person, a father, a mother. By the way, when I said last week, fathers, fathers on that example, they're they're women as well. They've got a secure leadership and identity. There are people in this house that have got that call on your life to make a difference. And my prayer is that you will know who you are. You will be secure in that knowing the calling on your life to fight this good fight. We're not against things. We are for things because God is for us. We're going to pray. It's a good fight worth fighting for. I remember when I surrendered my life to Christ, I thought I had everything in this world. I was concerned what I was giving up. (laughs) But when I realized, actually, I had nothing and the things I held on to, they weren't really that valuable. But what I found later on, the things that I did give up, especially the people God brought back to me and redeemed them because that's who God is. God is good. Let us pray. Let's just bow our heads for a minute. Let's just not rush. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for leading the way, Jesus. You are the greatest one another. You one anothered for us. You didn't one another for yourself. You one anothered for us. And God, I ask by your Spirit, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us You would help us, strengthen us. The Bible talks about wisdom. If if you're not sure what to do, ask God for wisdom. And Father, I pray in the days ahead, you would give wisdom to those who need wisdom. You would help people to be quick to listen before we respond. I just feel, you know, as I've prepared this, some people, we're too quick to react But God wants us to be quick to listen and process before we react. You say quick to listen, as it says in James. Slow, slow to speak. Slow to become angry. And God, I just believe that's how Paul was. He was quick to listen, to gain understanding. He was slow to speak 
and slow to get angry. And God, we know that's who you were. That's who you are. You demonstrated on the cross. You were always listening. You never gave up on people. But you were quick to listen. You were slow to become angry and to react to us. And God, I thank you for that love. I thank you for that love that's available today through believing in you and available in the Holy Spirit. So Father, I pray for people in here to know your love, to know the love of God through Jesus Christ. Maybe there's people who've had a fighting against things. I pray that they would stop contending and fighting and being angry, but forgive people, forgive things and let go. Maybe in marriages, in relationships, or people wanting to be known and to be seen, and that just constantly you battle with it because your voice isn't heard and seen. But Father, I pray that they would be content in you. They would find a love in you, a deeper love through the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would be glorified and praised with their life. And maybe there's people that don't know you. We pray for them. And maybe if you're here and you don't know God and you want to know his love, I'm going to pray a prayer. And you can pray it in your heart from a pure and you know, sincere heart. And it's simply ex- accepting the love of God through believing in Jesus. So Father, we pray for people who don't know you. I pray for each one of them to receive your love to accept your love through Jesus. And we thank you for the forgiveness. We thank you for your love, that you are patient and kind. And we pray each one of them to receive your forgiveness, salvation in the Holy Spirit. Make that real in people, that they would know that they're loved and forgiven through believing in Jesus. Amen.